So today, we're continuing this series, Come and Go. I've just been enjoying what God's been teaching me, and hopefully you guys as well. God, how do we live as disciples that, that receive from you but go out? And um, I don't know if you realize it, but the world is crazy. <laughs> Life is hard. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of brokenness out there. And I just think, you know, Jamie was telling us this last week, she went to TJ Maxx and uh, there was a shelf full of 2020 mugs, 50% off. <laughs> like, they're starting to, starting to move on already, right? You know, it's been a hard year. There's been a lot of stuff going on. I, and I would, I would just look at my own life. I'm like, God, this has been a hard year. I look at the lives of people in our church, people in our families, people in our community. God, this has been a really, really hard year. And I think it's in the midst of the broken, crazy world we live in and the hardships that we face that the Lord is really challenging us to, to, to ask ourselves, how, how am I doing as a disciple, right? Where am I at? How, how am I living out my life as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ? Where, where do I stand as one of his disciples, right? And, and again, I, we've been saying this week after week, it's not about am I checking off my list of things that I'm doing for God, but is it that in the midst of this broken, fallen of the, in, you know, world that we live in, am I shining the light of Christ through my life, Right? In the middle of all the hardship, in the middle of all the pain and brokenness and, and circumstances that we face, I think, I think there's a lot of times where we're, where we're tempted to just come and ask God, God, where are you in all of this? What are you doing? How, God, where is, where is your peace? Where's your love? Where's, your, where's all this stuff that I want to see in, at play in my life? Where are you, God? And I think, obviously, if, if, if we know God well enough, we get to know him in his word, he's probably tapping us on the shoulder and getting us to turn a little bit from where we're focused and say, oh, there you are. You're here. You are right here with me, with me in this. And I think the Lord maybe wants to ask us back, where are you in all this? How are you doing? Are, are, are you really understanding who I am? Are you really ready to live the life worthy of the calling that I've given you? Are you ready to be my ambassador in this world, my ambassador of the kingdom of heaven? here on this fallen earth, right? I think, I think there's this reciprocal relationship God wants to have where we're gonna cry out to him and ask him, but he's also wanting to ask us, how are you doing? Where are you at in all this? Remember his job description that Jesus gave his disciples, right? Matthew 4 says, come follow me and I will teach you, but also Matthew 28, go and make disciples and teach them, right? We are in the middle of this dynamic with God where we need to receive from him so that what we have to share with our world comes from him and not from ourselves, right? We need to come and learn from Jesus so that we can teach others what he has to say, right? Last week, we talked a little bit about, I shared, I shared this dream probably over a year ago here. I shared it last week in, in, in Whitewater when I was preaching over there last weekend, but just, you know, how, are we able to step into this call that God has where we can be tour guides, where we, we're not Moses going on the mountain trying to be God for people. And we're not just standing by the wayside and saying, hey guys, if you want God, go get him. There he is. Are we willing to find God for ourselves so that experience with him is so powerful and we've found ways that work for us to find him where we can grab someone by the hand and say, hey, come out, walk with me and I'll keep pointing you to him, Right? The, the way is hard. The, the, the path is narrow, the Bible says. But are we willing to walk with people so that they can come into the very presence of God for themselves to experience him and so that they can know that they're not alone in that? I think that's what we're called to be as a church. We're called those to lead others, not to be like us or to do what we want or to be God for people, but to say, hey, I found God. 
And I want you to find him too. Let's walk together. Let's keep finding him over and over and over again. I think that's what the, the heart of this series is really all about. So, so far, we've talked about those two calls of a disciple, coming and receiving and going and sharing. We've talked about the truth of the gospel that's not about religion, but it's about that relationship with God through which we can experience then the depth of God's love for him, from him, for ourselves, but also for others as well. We've talked about the integrity that we're called to maintain as disciples of Jesus Christ. Can I learn to follow God so closely that I can operate with him in private, then, then take that out and live that same way in public, right? Not as a hypocrite, not as somebody who's, who's teaching a lot of good words, but not living it out. Can I really, truly live with God in private the same way I live with people in public? Can I, can I marry those two places in my life together and let God have it all? And then last week, we just dug into the healing that we need from God that can only come from him alone, right? How many sources of healing we wish we could find, how many, how many Band-Aids we wish would just heal the wound, how many, how many escapes we think we could just, you know, uh, lean on so that that problem would just go away. But really, God is the source of all of our healing. So today now, as disciples of, of Jesus Christ, uh, we have a message titled, The Peace That Surpasses, right? The peace that surpasses. Because the Bible says, God's word, he, he tells us that we can have a peace that surpasses our human understanding. A source of peace in our lives where we can, we can feel God's peace that doesn't make sense if we were to look at our lives and the world around us. God, how am I feeling this peace right now? He wants to bring us to a place where we can experience his peace even in the middle of our troubles. We can still find it there. But before we kind of get into even having that peace, there's a couple things that we have to realize that are keeping us from God's peace, things that are very prominent. And there's a lot of stuff, I'm sure, that keep us from God's peace. But the two, there's a couple we want, really want to hit on here this morning. The number one disruptor of our peace is fear. Right? Do you guys agree? Fear is a pretty good disruptor of peace. When I'm afraid of something, I'm, I'm going to lose my peace a little bit. Proverbs 1.33 says, All who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. I think, I think it's, it's kind of cool how that, that verse is phrased because I think there's many times where we probably think, I'll have peace if harm goes away. If I, if I can get rid of the harm that's happening, then I will find peace. But isn't it interesting in this verse that peace is kind of used as an alternative to fear, Right? Untroubled by fear of harm. See, when fear is present, peace is gone. When peace is present, fear is gone. It's kind of like oil and oil and water. And the interesting thing is it doesn't say when harm is gone, peace is present. It's saying when fear is gone. It's not about necessarily the harm that we're facing or the situation we're in, but it's it's our fear putting our faith in the wrong thing, believing that the worst will happen, our fear that gets a hold of us, which is very real. I feel fear often, as I'm sure you guys do, whether it's because of what's going on out in the world or even in our own private lives, even in our own hearts and minds, even in our families, our workplaces. We face very real fears practically every single day. And if we get stuck in that fear, that will disrupt our opportunity to really step into a place of peace with God. I want you to think about all the things we're tempted to, to be fearful of in this broken world. And I think it's, it's pretty, pretty realistic for so many of us, right? We, we fear the future. We fear failure and not being good enough. 
Honestly, I was thinking about that, just prepping for this message, this fear of not being good enough. I think for me, it's less about, oh, if I'm not good enough, then I just won't be good enough. The fear is more so I'm afraid of not being good enough because what will that make me look like to the world? How, what, what does that say about me? Not, just, not as a pastor, but as a person. You know, what is, what, how does that define me and identify me? That fear of not being good enough really taps into our identity and it draws us back to that question, God, do I trust that you have made me who I am? Do I trust who you've called me to be? Or am I allowing fear to try and redefine who I am and give me a different comparison for how I should find peace in that, right? But we, we fear rejection, we fear not not being loved or accepted. We fear sickness. We fear pain. We fear dying. We fear death itself, right? I think we fear loneliness. Maybe some of you have a fear of not getting married, not having kids, fear of conflict in relationship, fear of a failed marriage or or relationship, fear of just living unhappy for the rest of your life. There's fear of embarrassment, fear of what people think, fear of feeling exposed, feeling judged, Fear of poverty, not having enough money, not being able to support your family, putting food on the table, fear of being fired, losing your job, fear of your business that you run, failing and falling under, right? Fear of government, poor leadership, fear of Biden being elected, fear of Trump being elected. I'm sure there's some fears out there with with the election. Fear of our economy. What's going to happen, right? I think there's, you could keep the, going on in the list. I'm sure you guys, if, if we were writing on paper right now, I, I'd have a bucket full of things that I could read off that we're all afraid of. Fear is real. And if you feel fear, then you're a normal human being. Can I, can I give you some peace there in that a little bit? If you're afraid of anything or if you've sensed fear at any point in time, take a deep breath and go, okay, God, thank you that I'm normal. Thank you that I'm a real person. You've created me. Because if I just had no fear whatsoever about anything, um, that sounds good, but uh, maybe you're missing a part of how God has wired you because we feel fear. Humans feel fear. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a true statement. We feel it. So don't get mad at yourself because you feel afraid. It's more so, what do we do with that? That's, that's, that's where that test of a disciple comes in. How do I respond to the fear that I feel? Now, some of you guys in here this morning, maybe you feel overwhelmed by your fears. Some of you are like, yeah, this is not fun to talk about right now because you're really giving me anxiety, Pastor. You're, you're bringing up stuff that I just, I hate feeling it and it takes, it takes over and my fears really cause just chaos and I can't handle it. Some of you are just like, well, I don't have fear. And that's just your way of trying to continually stuff the fears, stuff away the things that you want to ignore and not deal with. And I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but we all face fear. We all face circumstance that challenge us and tempt us with those, those fears or possible fears. I think the, the truth is we have to be aware of what we're afraid of. I remember years ago being interviewed one time, and the interviewer said, what's your biggest fear? And I was like, um, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one of those, I try to be one of those happy-go-lucky kind of people where I don't let fear get a hold, and, and I do face fears, but I try and let stuff roll off my back easy. And there was someone else, you know, that there's, there's like kind of a, they had a team of people that I was interviewing with, and they asked the other guy, well, what do you, kind of, why, why don't you help give him an example? What are you afraid of? And, um, you know, the, the guy was just like, failure, that this isn't, that my job's not going to work out, and my family's going to suffer, and he's just being real. I'm like, I always held on to that a little bit of like, God, can I? Can I identify my fear well enough to call it out for what it is? 
can I bring that to you, Lord, in enough where I can be honest, that I have fear and I can actually vocalize what it is? Because I would imagine, I don't know how many, but I bet you there'd be some of you in here where if I asked you, what's your deepest fear? You'd be like, I don't know. You know, because we're just trying to get by. We're trying not to let fear have its way. We try and push through so much. Some of us that I think some, we, we, we need to, to be reminded that it's okay to, to stop and rest in God's presence for a moment and ask him, Lord, can you help me identify things that, I, that I'm afraid of? Things that if I slowed down enough, you would help point out to me that I could be afraid of? Because maybe we're trying to move so fast in life that we think that's helping us run from our fear so we never have to feel afraid. But fear is real. We have to, to understand that it's there and what it comes from in order to discover where our true peace really comes from. And if we don't deal with our fears and find peace, honestly, it's going to find us out one way or another. Sometimes we're just so busy that we don't actually get to settle down into the presence of God and find his peace. Sometimes our, feast, our peace is uh, stolen so much from us by fear that it can actually affect us even physically. I had this happen to me when, when we were in our church down in North Carolina. There was just a massive church split going on, and there was broken relationships. And the, I, I just feel like the enemy was really trying to steal, kill, and destroy in the body of Christ. And I remember feeling fear very, very often. Fear over my job, fear, fear over our finances, fear over relationships and the brokenness that comes when you're walking through something so painful and just, God, God what's going to fall apart next? What's going on? And I actually remember just weighing myself one day and I was 20 pounds lighter than I was months earlier before some of that drama was going down. I'm like, wow, like just the, the fear and anxiety that can grip you in something can have a physical effect on your body. Right? You, you can't ignore fear, anxiety, worry, all that stuff enough. It will catch up. It will find you out. I love what Proverbs 14, 30 says. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. God wants it all to connect for us. The same way the enemy wants to steal it all in connection with us, God wants to bring his fullness into it all for us. Finding his peace can actually bring health to your body. That's pretty incredible. That doesn't mean you're going to get the healing in every single detail of what you want the way you want it. But God does have some healing to offer through his peace one way or another, right? Another disruptor of our peace, there's fear, but there's also unrealistic expectations. And that, that comes down to our hearts, our minds. What are, what, are we, what are we putting expectations on in this life? Because I think many times we expect our peace to come from an outcome of a situation, and if this COVID stuff could just go away and life could go back to normal, I would feel a lot more peace in my life. I just want it to be the way it was. And I think there's some denial in many of us thinking that, you know, I, I'm still going to believe that it's going to go back to the way it was. Others have kind of bought in. I don't, I don't believe it'll ever go back to the way it was. But I, th I think there's something that wants to hang on, right? If this just goes away... I'll have peace. Or if the candidate that I want to vote for gets elected, then I can feel better about the world and I'll have more peace. But if the other person gets elected or someone, something else goes down, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared. I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or if my sickness would just go away or if my diagnosis would just come through different, then maybe I'd find more peace again. All right? If I had more money, and I could just get past this lack that I've been experiencing, then I'd, I'd feel more peace, God. Lord, can you make my, my situation come through? If that person that I'm having conflict with would just see things my way and understand where they have been wrong in this, we could come and unite and have peace in that relationship again. If they would, if they would just understand, right? 
if the riots would stop, if the world would calm down and just be a better place, we'd have more peace. But I don't know if you, if you notice as I'm reading these things off, every one of these things that we're talking about are conditional based on the world. And we got to be careful. Are we allowing our peace to become conditional based on the world? Because I've got some bad news for you today. There will never be peace, and we will never have peace fully in this world until Jesus comes back and beat the, beats the devil once and for all. I don't care how many, how many pageants you watch and how many contestants say, I just want world peace, and I, if, I'm, if I win this, I want to fight for world peace. That's a, that's a never-ending fight, because this world will never ultimately have complete peace, because it only comes from God. And until Jesus comes back, the enemy's at work, and people are still lost and giving a foothold to the devil, and the selfish human desires are having their way, right? The kingdom of God is here in part thanks to Jesus dying and rising and sending us his Holy Spirit as the down payment. We get the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth have kind of married each other a little bit, but the fullness of God's kingdom won't come until we're either in heaven or he returns. So there will always be a brokenness in this world. We will never fully have world peace, but only God can bring it. We can only, so we can only get, get the peace of God here in this world from him, not from the world itself. Jesus tried explaining this to his 12 disciples. Um, he tried explaining a lot to them. And they didn't always get it. So another thing that tells you you're a normal person, if you're not always understanding what God's trying to tell you or, or what we're preaching about or singing about, it's okay. God's just let God in. He'll teach you. He'll keep helping you learn and grow. But Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 34. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Whew. What? Oh, God, I was really hoping, you know. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And he continues on and he says that sword is actually dividing things. He's trying to show the difference between what's of his kingdom and what's of this broken, fallen world. Actually, I used, I used to wear a ring on my other hand. I went kind of through this discipleship course and I don't wear it now because it just doesn't fit over my fat knuckles. I've got big hands and big knuckles. They crack them a lot. Yeah, mom, you were probably right when I was a kid and that'll, that'll hurt my hands. But... <laughs> You know, I used to have that verse. That, that became one of my life verses in the inside of that ring because I, I used to be consumed with people pleasing and worrying about what everyone thought. I remember Jesus saying, don't you realize what I came for? I didn't come to make everything just feel better based on your circumstance and on people's stuff and even on what you're expecting. I came here to bring the truth. I came here to give you my Holy Spirit, to live within you so you could represent me in this world. Jesus came to bring his truth, right? The sword is so symbolic. You read through the sword of the spirit. You think of his word, right? Those of you that grew up in maybe a Christian school, the sword drills, you hold up your Bible and go find a verse, whatever, right? The sword is representative of his truth. And truth doesn't always bring peace. But his truth is, is for wholeness. And, and I'm not talking about, his, his truth can bring God's peace, but it doesn't bring the peace that the world is looking for or the world, that the world has to offer. So we have to remember that all the while we're living in this broken, fallen world and we're facing hardship and we're facing pain and we're facing disappointment and we're facing our expectations being unmet, we have to remember there's a spiritual war raging all around us. 
there's, a, there's not only God who we're here to worship, and that's why you're here, I hope, but there's also a devil who hates God and is trying to steal, kill, and destroy from God's plan in our lives. And there's angels and there's demons and there's, there's a spiritual realm we can't see with our eyes. And we talked about that a little bit with a quote last week from that guy, Blake Healy, who wrote that book. Um, the, he wrote The Veil and well, The Profound Good and that we quoted last week. He see, sees things that way. There's a spiritual war going on. And some... Sometimes I think we forget that and we just get so mad at people. We get so mad at ourselves. We're like, no, the enemy's really at work. But we, yeah, be careful too because you can take that too far. I'm like, well, all my problems are the devil's fault. And so it's because he's real, I'll just never have anything work out. Well, we still have God and we still have the ability to walk out his ways and to trust him and to, to, to realize that it's not our job to beat the devil. God's doing that. We just need to follow God in his ways. But the, there is a devil. There's a kingdom of darkness. And the cool part is, that he's freaking out because Jesus is winning. <laughs> and I think that's a, a great thing to remember because in the middle of the world we're in right now, it's so easy to feel the pain and hurt of everything that we are experiencing or we see going on out there. But I think that the enemy is trying to attack so hard right now because he's freaking out because he realizes I'm about to lose. I've already lost and I'm, I'm continually losing more and more. The more that God works and the more that his people follow his ways, the more he loses ground, he loses territory. And so he hates that. And he's scraping and clawing for any ounce he can get in your life where you give him a foothold to have, have his way. But God is the victor. And he will destroy the enemy. We already know the end of the book. You can flip ahead to the end of the book and read it for yourself. That's not cheating. There's no exam. There's no cliff note version that, that's going to be, you know, like make you feel bad about it. You know, like in school when you're not wanting to read the whole thing. Jump to the end. Go see what happens. God wins. And the enemy hates it. So eventually, we will have nothing but peace in the fullness of God's kingdom. So there is hope in that. But so now, what do we do in the meantime? What does that mean here as we live on this earth in the meantime? What does that look like? And that's what I want to get to the heart of today. As we come and follow Jesus as his disciples here on this earth for now, we have to know that our peace comes only from Jesus. I don't know if I can say that enough times here this morning. I've already been saying it. But our peace comes only from God himself. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Verse 27 says this. Here's Jesus. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. There's that peace and fear contrast again. If you find peace in me, you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be afraid. We can all have this gift. I think another question would be, are we, are we willing to really trust him? Are we willing to do what it takes to receive that gift by really trusting God and by following his ways, surrendering our ways? I think every one of us in here, and we talked about it in our integrity message a couple weeks ago, every one of us in here has things that we want to control, things we want to do our own way and, and not let God have his way. Are we willing to? Are we willing to let go of it all? Not just give him our pain and things that we want to see him work in, but are we willing to give him our dreams? Say, God, even if it doesn't happen the way I want, if it happens your way, I will be happy. I want your way more than my own. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. Can we really go all in and trust him and follow him? He says, Jesus says this again here in John 15, verse 9 through 10. I have loved you. He's talking to his disciples, right? I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. 
remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. He's not saying the rule check boxes again. He's saying, look, I've got a way to life that if you follow it, you will experience the freedom and relationship with me that will show you a way through the fire and I will be with you in the middle of it all, right? I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And in the same way that fear and anxiety and worry kind of go hand in hand, so do peace, joy, and hope, and love, all the good things of God. So he's even connecting this peace that we can find with the joy that we will feel in the midst of that peace. And that joy is pretty awesome to have. When you, can, when you can know that life's hard, but still find peace and joy from God, it's life-changing, right? The Apostle Paul explains the difference between the choice that we need to make here in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, where he says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, like, I get that it can be hard sometimes. Like, well, how do I get outside of my own thoughts and put God in control? Like, is there a trick to this? What does this look like? Honestly, I think one of the biggest practicals we can think of in that moment is just remembering that God is with us in the moment. I struggle all the time to respond to a situation or a circumstance out of my own understanding, out of my own idea of what I think that means, why did it happen, what should I do in response to that. And, and the only way that goes well is when I get outside of my own thinking, like I've had to do a lot this year, and say, God, what do you want to do? What's your plan? What's your word say? What, what do other sources of godly wisdom say? God, what do you want to affirm in this? What, what are you doing, God? Because I can stay in my own head so long that I will destroy myself over it. Not only the fear and anxiety of it, or just me coming up with a human plan that will most likely fail. God's ways are the only ways that lead to true life and that work. And so how we live is really up to us. Do I want to do this on my own? Do I want to sit and worry about this? No. I mean, sometimes you can't help it. So again, you're a normal person if you can't stop <laughs> the worry. But the question is, will I go to the Lord? Will I get on my knees before him and cry out to him? Will I praise his name? Will I thank him for the good things he has done? Will, will, I, will I get back in God's presence or will I keep running off ahead of him trying to do this by myself? All right? Will we choose life or death in our thinking and in our decision-making, or will we, choose God? will we choose God in the midst of it all? John 16, 33. read a little bit of this last week, but I, I love how much he adds in here. Jesus says this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me, right? He's giving us a reminder of the source that the peace comes from him. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's reminding us, your peace comes from me, not the world. It's problematic. And not, not you running out ahead of me in my name, proclaiming that you're going to defeat everything without me. I'm the overcomer. I think it's sometimes as Christians, I don't, know, I don't know if Joe said this as much last week here as I was doing a whitewater, but I just, sometimes as Christians, we can grab a hold of God's victory and put his name on it but then lead without him in it and go, I can win all of this stuff and my pains and problems, they're no problem because I'm a victor in Jesus Christ. Well, you are in Jesus Christ, but he's the victor. 
So it's okay if you have problems. It's okay if you have weakness. It's okay if you're facing what you're facing because your peace doesn't come from your control and your peace doesn't come from the world. It comes from Jesus. So it doesn't even matter what people think of you if you have a problem. It matters, it matters whether or not you're in the presence of God looking to him for your, for your peace and your resolution that only he can give, right? Our peace cannot come from our circumstances. It comes from the Lord even in the middle of our circumstances. You may have something unresolved in your life right now and God can bring you to a place of peace even without an answer. Some of you have something unresolved that you've been facing for years And maybe you've even had frustration over it because you've never felt peace because you've been looking for your peace to come from a resolution from that circumstance getting better. And God's saying, I'm I'm just waiting for you to find your place in me. Even if that circumstance never changes. God cares more about our relationship with him than he does our circumstances. You know, I've had to realize how to find God's peace in the middle of some hard times myself. I was just thinking recently, you know, and I, we've, we have hard days in ministry, you know. I, I think sometimes people think, oh, if you work for the church, everything's happy because you get to just love people and pray and read the Bible all day long. You don't do anything. You know, we have hard stuff that we deal with. We have pains that we go through, right? We're in the business of people. That's hard, right? So when I get, the home, when I get home at the end of a long and difficult day doing ministry in the midst of a painful and sinful world, one of, the, one of the coolest things lately where I've been finding God's peace, is, you can throw that picture up there. I've been looking into my, my son's eyes. And, and this will be another one of those times where I get teary out a bit because it's just, it's a gift from God where I'll look in his eyes and I know where I'm right where I need to be and I get filled with peace because I'm living in the will of God in that moment. He doesn't bring me peace, God does, right? There's times where I feel the opposite of peace when he's crying and I can't figure out what to do and I'm tired and I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, right? If, if he's my source of peace, I'm in trouble. But when I look in his eyes and I see him smile and I realize the love that God has put into this little boy for me and I can see it coming from God, I can feel peace. And when I, when I realize that God has called me to be his ambassador, to raise his child up in his ways, that's, that's where the peace can come from, when it's not about me and it's not about a circumstance, when I can see God through it all and when I can feel like I'm in that place of his will in that moment. Peace comes from abiding in the Lord, staying close to him, when God is the center of it all and, we're in the, and we are in the center of his will. So how do we do that? <laughs> well, it's, gonna, it's not just gonna click one moment, you know, so it's a, if, if you don't know how to just get peace, you're a normal person, can I? Am I bringing you guys any peace, just reminding you how normal you are this morning? How do we do this? Well, we have to start by learning in God's word. And I want to jump to Philippians here, chapter 4. It's where this peace that surpasses comes from, right? Chapter 4, verse 6 through 9, it says this. Don't worry about anything. Oh, great, sweet. Got it. Thanks, God. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Well, this goes back to, honestly, um, that other verse, the sinful nature Versus the spirit controlling your mind. My sinful nature wants to just sit in in my worry. It wants to sit in my brain and try and figure out a solution based on everything that I know. But praying about everything now means, Holy Spirit, come and take control. I want to surrender this to you, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You can't just stop worrying by just not worrying. The lack, the, the worry has to get replaced with prayer 
It has to get replaced with being in the presence of God, speaking with him, and listening to him back as well. And that doesn't mean you're not hearing from him if you don't hear some audible voice in the heavens open and the sun rays shine down through the rain and God, God shows up in the form of an angel or something. Sometimes he's just gonna, he's gonna give you an image or he's gonna put a feeling or a thought in your heart or your mind that, that you know is from God in that moment. But we have to listen as well as we speak. I love this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. That's such a cool statement there as well. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you go back to the Psalms and you look at everything that King David wrote, that's how he operated. He wallowed and he, he complained and he shared all of his frustrations with God, but he went to the Lord and at the end of it, he then turned his mind from all his things and came and said, but God, I trust you. I thank you, God, for, all who, about, for who you are and all you've done. He knows that it's okay to share with God what he's been going through but he always follows it up with, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what, what you've been showing me. Thank you for what you blessed me with already. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds, or in another translation, surpasses. It, God's peace exceeds anything we can understand. So if we sit in our worry and we try and figure it out, we'll never have peace. Because the peace comes beyond our understanding. Our own understanding cannot end in peace. It doesn't work. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Not perfect. God doesn't say think of all the perfection. Excellent means the best possible, right? Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. So this is Paul sharing with the Christians and the, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> it's not like, hey, you get this parlor trick, peace just shows up. No, the God of peace will be with you. Your peace comes because you recognize that the God of peace is living inside of you. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell within you and the God of peace is with you even in the circumstances. See, the enemy, Satan, he wants to get us out of God's will. He wants to distract us with things like fear and worry and unforgiveness and doubt and disbelief and bitterness and lust and greed and hate and all the things that we see out in our world. Some of you are like, I just felt some of that this morning. It's okay. That means that you're a threat to the kingdom of darkness and the enemy wants to take you down. That means that God has a plan for your life where you don't have to experience that stuff and the enemy is fighting hard to keep you from the peace of God in your life, which I hope gives you a courage to fight for what God wants in your life by pressing into his presence even though you're experiencing this stuff that the enemy is trying to use to steal and kill and destroy your peace because he's trying to do that in our lives. But the more we remain in Christ, the more we can just stay focused on him, the more we, that he will consume our thoughts and our heart and fill us with his peace. So we must come and get peace as disciples. And that's so important so that we can go and make disciples. And to do that, we need to share that peace with our world. We need that peace in us so that we can share the true version of that peace. If you don't have God's peace and you're trying to go out there and share it with others, what are you going to share? Your human effort. Well, 
You need, just need to find peace by reading your Bible this many hours a day, praying this many hours a day, serving this many people a day, accomplishing what it feels like you should accomplish. No, if you know where that peace comes from, you know it comes from being in God's presence. And when you can go out and you can meet with someone and you can explain to them, man, when you get to meet with God, it's amazing. You're going to find his peace. Listen to this in Acts chapter 10, verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, God's people, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The peace available to the world is a powerful message, but it's even more powerful, isn't it, when the messenger is filled with that peace? (laughs) You're not going to buy something from a salesman if you don't think that they actually love the product they're selling you. You're not going to order a dish at a restaurant if you ask the, the waiter or the waitress if they like it, and they say, nah, it wasn't very good. Right? You want to know that that person that's sharing with you the good news about something believes in it for themselves too. Right? I'm going to try and convince every Bear fan out there to love the Packers because I believe in those Packers. They can do it, you know? Like, you get what I'm saying? You have to have a message in you to get in order to share it where people will actually believe it. And that's not a that's not a parlor trick. That the parlor trick. That's not a the, that's not the art of the deal. It's not about persuasion here this morning. It has to be real. Don't try and fake the message of peace because people will see right through that. The enemy sees right through that. You need peace in order to share it. So if we live our lives with a peace that comes only from God, our testimony personally will grow. And then people through us will see more evidence of our living God who is real, who, is, who loves them, who wants, to be, who wants them to spend their life with him in every single moment and experience his peace. They start to believe it's possible to have that peace because they see other people having it. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to be those tour guides of, right? How are you gonna show me, how, how are you gonna show me the way up the mountain if you've never been there? And why would you even take me there if you don't really believe in the point of what's, what's up there at the top, right? If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm supposed to lead people into God's presence, I better, I better get in God's presence. I better know him. I better, I better love him. I better, I better experience who he is for myself in order to share that. The world saw this through the Apostle Paul, this man who used to slaughter Christians thought they were heretical, and then got radically delivered, and he became a Christian. He encountered Jesus, and he got saved, and he got filled with God's love and God's peace, and he, he got that message inside of him because it was real for him, and it affected the world. Look at this in Acts 9.31. This is the response the, that the church in the world had after seeing what happened to him. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, not scared of God but in awe of God, right? And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. God's church doesn't grow because of the entertainment we provide on a Sunday morning. It should never be about anything entertaining. I mean, if you have fun here, fun, great, because God loves joy. But it's about the encounter of the living God that we get to have and share, right? My biggest prayer on a Sunday morning, and is that it's, first off, it's not just about Sunday morning, but that on Sundays and every day of the week, anything that we do as believers can point people to Jesus so they can experience him, right? See, the, the peace of God in us not only helps us, it helps others. 
So much so that when we see the peace of God in the church, it becomes a life-changing benefit to the world. Talk about life change and world change that can happen when the church of God doesn't fake it, but really lives in the presence of God so much so that the world sees something different in the people of God. And they want it. And it influences their lives. Think about Think about the multiplication of the kingdom of God that happens when we take it upon ourselves to live out our responsibility of saying, God, I need you and I want you. And now I can share that. And when we do, it spreads across this world. Jesus said, come follow me and I will show you and go and make disciples and teach them. Right? As disciples, we need to experience the peace of God for ourselves. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Show me. And then we need to point others to Jesus as we walk with them to find it for themselves too. I want to end the, the message this morning with this prayer from Romans and Galatians. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. May the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God can give us all a peace that surpasses, and it can only be found in him.